Welcome to Caring on the Go, your exclusive access to the latest news and commentary from the current issue of Caring for the Ages, the official newspaper of AMDA, the Society for Post-Acute and Long-Term Care Medicine. Support for this podcast is brought to you by U.S. Post-Acute Care. This podcast is eligible for ABPLM pre-approved certified medical director credits. Details will be provided at the end of this podcast. I'm Suzanne Gillespie, AMDA's Vice President, and I cordially invite you to register for AMDA's annual conference, which will be held virtually March 11th through the 14th. The agenda features expert speakers discussing topics that are on the minds of practitioners everywhere, as well as opportunities for networking and engagement with colleagues, exhibitors, and PALTC stakeholders. Visit PALTC.org conference to view the schedule and register today. And now here's your host for Caring on the Go, Dr. Wayne Saltzman. Welcome to Caring on the Go. This podcast will spotlight articles and stories from the AMDA, the Society for Post-Acute and Long-Term Care Medicine magazine, Caring for the Ages. For this segment, we welcome back Caring for the Ages Editor-in-Chief, Dr. Elizabeth Gaelic, to discuss some key articles from the March 2021 issue. Dr. Gaelic is a nurse practitioner in long-term care and community-based settings through a clinical practice with Shepherd Pratt Health System. She is a professor at the University of Maryland School of Nursing, where she teaches in the Adult Gerontology Primary Care Nurse Practitioner Program and conducts research to improve care practices for older adults with dementia and their caregivers in long-term care. Dr. Gaelic, welcome back to Caring on the Go. Thanks, Wayne. I'm thrilled to, to be with you today and to share some information about some of the upcar- upcoming articles in Caring. Oh, awesome. So um, let's start with, a, with a, a great taste of the March 2021 issue with the um, article, COVID-19 Vaccinations in Nursing Homes, Trust in the Tunnel will help staff see the light at the end. Love the title. This is by staff writer Joanne Caldy. You know, I, I had to tell you, uh, Dr. Gaelic, I was thrilled to see that you're spotlighting uh, Colorado State uh, uh, President Chapter uh, and board member of the society, Dr. Leslie Eber, um, uh, in, the, in this article. Um, you know, it also happens to coincide with two resolutions to the House of Delegates on frontline staff uh, respect and retention and training uh, that's going to be presented this year. Um, tell me about the article um, and uh, why you felt this article was important to get out. So I'm going to start with the second part of your question, Wayne, about why I really thought this article was important. Um, One is, you know, we're um, at the point where we have these wonderful vaccines and now hopefully we just need to try to get them in in arms to try to um, curtail this pandemic. And uh, nursing assistants really are the backbone of all post-acute and long-term care facilities. Um, Their work is really critical to success. And I've had the honor and privilege of working with a number of really truly amazing nursing assistants throughout my career. And they've helped to teach me how to recognize changes in cognition, function, and behavior in residents and kind of sound that early warning sign. 
and with the pandemic, they really have been on the front lines and have have taken uh, the brunt of this in terms of lack of PPE um, and perhaps maybe in their facilities if they were if things weren't transparent, they weren't told about um, what was happening until perhaps later. And so I think doc, the article that features uh, Dr. Eber's work along with um, her colleagues, Laurie Porter and Lisa Sweet, mm. who are the co-founders of um, the National Association of Healthcare Assistants. Um, so what they really demonstrate is the importance of um, building trust with the nursing assistants uh, that you work with in long-term care. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I know, I know, Beth, that uh, that Dr. Eber was quoted as saying that there's a lot of misinformation about the vaccines that seems to affect uh, how staff are considering getting the vaccine. Yes. So um, for, for many individuals, they at least uh, peruse social media and there's a lot of misinformation out there. And uh, Dr. Uh, Eber really outlined uh, uh, what she called eight principles to having the conversation about the mm -hmm. COVID-19 vaccine. Right. And it, it starts with, I won't go through all the steps, but it starts with um, really building that trusting relationship <laughs> using good co communication um, and not really, and not talking down uh, to the staff, um, right. really respecting them and starting the process early. So hopefully in people's facilities, these conversations have been going on for a while. And when people have concerns about uh, the vaccine, really listening closely to those concerns yeah. um, and, and then trying not to fear or shame people and feeling that they need to take uh, the vaccine if they're uncomfortable with it, yeah. but in reinforcing positive behaviors. So recognizing uh, the frontline staff who get vaccinated and um, you know, really praising them for helping to protect um, themselves, their communities, as well as the residents and families in the facility. Mm, wonderful. Uh, and I do know that uh, Dr. Eber's work in uh, in Colorado has uh, has really had some nice success. But, you know, as you said, I think all of us in, um, in the post-acute long-term care world recognize the power of the frontline staff. You know, they, they really, they are the culture. And uh, when we empower them, they just have the ability to step up to the plate beautifully, don't they? They cer most certainly do. Yeah. That The other thing just to kind of uh, keep in mind is AMDA has produced a COVID-19 vaccine education toolkit that's available freely online. And so while it's open to members, it's also open to non-members as well. And mm. so um, that can be used in facilities throughout the country and hope hopefully internationally as well. No, wonderful. I know a lot of work has been put into a lot of these materials by some of our, our brightest folks. So I definitely echo looking into those. You know, I want to talk about um, a couple of the other articles that that um, that uh, are in the March 2021 issue of Caring. But, you know, let's just talk about the lineup in general. Um, it, it's really it's a great issue. But, you know, you have a a, a nice story, a nice article by Dr. Carl Steinberg, the incoming uh, president and uh, the uh, emeritus chief, editor-in-chief for, for Caring. And you have an article in there. Um, tell us just a little bit about the lineup and, and what was important for you here. In terms of the whole issue, you know, I, what I think um, was important for the March issue as well as 
for future issues, we try to have a mix of um, representation from our regular columnists as well as leaders. Mm. Um, we try to have integrate some clinical content in there um, because at, you know so many of our members are, are out there working on the front line. We try to address timely topics and then also have some commentary. Uh, and I think uh, Dr. Jeff's column. Um, mm. It was one of the ones I selected to, to talk about today, really um, give some uh, great food for thought about um, uh, long-term care in the community. Oh, I, um, I have to tell you, uh, well, Dr. Jeff is Jeff Nichols, uh, former president of, uh, of the New York State chapter, currently the treasurer uh, on the board uh, for uh, AMDA. Um, he is um, quite a guy. And uh, this is a this has been a regular column for for caring, and this this one in general talks about the history of nursing homes, uh, which I just thought was was uh, amazing. Um, you know, what did you think about uh, about this column uh, per se, and and you know, perhaps uh, further discuss what these columns bring to uh, to caring, and uh, why our readers should uh, be looking forward to them. So, you know, I think the regular columns uh, kind of provide a nice framework um, for our uh, uh, issues of caring. And um, we, we start to anticipate some of them. Some of them are in every issue, like Dr. Jeff's article uh, and column, and others uh, appear maybe twice a year or four times a year. Uh, we also have uh, a new uh, regular column that's going to be coming out in our April issue focused on behavioral health. And that's going to be a feature that's going to be in every issue of caring. Mm, that's wonderful. The, the one thing I want to uh, just give um, um, a little sunlight to in the Dr. Jeff column, he, he provides a great history in terms of long-term care, but also at the end really gives us as uh, providers in post-acute long-term care a call to action. Um, he talks about some uh, how we can do better about combat, combating uh, the negative stereotypes and perceptions that so many in the public have about us. And he talks about that when the, the COVID-19 pandemic um, is at the point where we can start inviting people back into facilities again, mm -hmm. we need to make the most of that mm -hmm. um, and, and really consider trying to um, invite community members back in, yeah. uh, sponsoring a little league team, having uh, young people there and uh, recognizing that the, the long-term care facility can be a source of um, employment for so many people in the neighborhood. What I what I what I really liked about this article, and it was kind of a, it was kind of a, a V eight slap my head moment, was when he talked about, um, you know, a lot of the areas at off times don't aren't used and could be used for for meetings or or gatherings, especially with young people. That was one. But the other thing that really struck me was um, just reinforcing something that we all know, but don't think about, I think, too much. And that is that um, these nursing facilities, post-acute long-term care, it's part of the community. It's entwined with the community. And the community, the community really does need to have um, uh, just more of a role within it um, because that's where it belongs. And uh, he really kind of made a power, a powerful play towards that, didn't he? 
He most certainly did. I, I've had, I've been fortunate enough to have an opportunity to work in a, a, a facility at one point that really did involve the community. And gosh, it really makes such a difference for the residents as well as for the staff and the reputation of the facility in the community. There's a great book if people haven't read it, and it's going to be featured in an upcoming issue of Caring. Uh, the title of the book is called A Dog Walks Into a Nursing Home. <laughs> and uh, if Dr. Jeff hasn't read it, I hope he does, because I think it's a great example of his community-centered uh, uh, community care or the community-centered long-term care facility. I, I just want to remind people as well that he actually does answer real questions. <laughs> so the, these are questions that people are, are asking that he's responding to. And he just doesn't, he just doesn't respond. He responds. And uh, uh, what, a, what, a great, what a great column to look for. But you have other columns, columns on, on legal issues and social work issues. And um, you really do try to round out these columns quite, quite, uh, quite nicely. We try to make sure that we have something in caring um, for all members of the interdisciplinary team. That's that's great. You know, just wondering, Dr. Gaelic, if somebody had an idea for a column um, or an idea for an article who wasn't a member of your staff and wasn't a regular fixture, how would they uh, how would they contact somebody with an idea to perhaps or even something to submit? Sure. So we welcome. Um, author submitted work um, that's not solicited. We encourage that. And if you go to the Caring for the Ages website, um, there's a link there that will tell you how you go about um, submitting something. Um, it's, it's not too daunting. Mostly we look for articles to be um, somewhere between 500 and 1,000 words. And it can be on a clinical topic. It can be uh, about your experiences in long-term care. Um, there's uh, lots of opportunities uh, to share or successful programs that you've had in your facility. We, we like to hear about all of it. Oh, that's great. I, I've, I've written for, for caring and, and it's, a, it's a wonderful experience. And now a word from our sponsor, U.S. Post-Acute Care. Let's talk for a minute about goals of care conversations. Now more than ever, Post-acute clinicians should initiate these discussions with their patients. At U.S. Post-acute Care, our clinical team is committed to regular goals of care conversations with each seriously ill patient. We help our patients to think through their goals and express what's most important to them. Now we can develop a care plan that aligns with their goals and their values. Using a technique first developed by Ariadne Labs, these structured conversations have shown meaningful improvements in the quality, cost, and effectiveness of care. Our chief medical officer, Dr. Kevin Henning, is highly committed to making the goals of care conversation a foundation of effective care for our clinical team. At US Post-Acute Care, that's what we think. Now we'd like to know what you think. You can reach us at uspostacutecare.com or on LinkedIn, and Dr. Henning will be happy to respond. Thanks for listening. Um, so the last, the last article I'd like to get to is um, talking about wound care. Now, you know, wound care continues to be a, a hot topic, but this brings up some kind of uh, unique terms that aren't commonly seen, the, the concept of, of palliative wound care around you know you know above and beyond just wound care uh, uh itself uh, tell us a little bit about uh about this paper 
Sure. So this um, was um, submitted by uh, Victoria Niles, who is a nurse practitioner in post-acute and long-term care and hospice and palliative care. And um, in this article, she really reminds us of the importance of goals, and of goals of care and symptom management when mm. addressing really these ma maintenance wound care. So um, while we all try the best we can to cure wounds and to close wounds, we need to recognize that there are certain um, factors that may result in de delayed wound healing. And it's common among older adults in post-acute and long-term care settings. And so sometimes what we're doing is more symptom management. We're really used to doing this, I think, with other conditions, but we don't think about it as much in terms of wound care. But um, if, you, if it's challenging to close the wound, maybe it's a, um, the person has a history of vascular disease and uh, diabetes, and their diabetes at that time is not well controlled. Um, closing the wound at that moment may not work and you're focusing more on things in terms of uh, symptom management with discomfort or drainage, um, as well as second, uh, minimizing uh, secondary infection. Uh, Dr. Nails's article also um, has some wonderful palliative wound care resources and she gives us tips in terms of how to document this in language that um, CMS will uh, appreciate and understand. You know what I liked about this article was that anybody could read it and get something out of it. Yes. You didn't have to be a clinician. Um, you know, you don't have to be a, a, a physician or an advanced practitioner, um, you know, uh, nursing, um, frontline staff, administrators, social workers. Um, you know, there was something in this that I think everybody could, could, could t take away. Is that, is that something that, that, that you aim for? Yeah, I, I think she did an excellent job of that, um, but she also provided those more advanced resources, you know, for the practicing clinician so that um, we can refer to those if we need to. But, uh, you know, I thought she gave a great overview of uh, palliative wound care as a, as a concept. Oh, I loved it. I, I loved it. So, so, Dr. Gaelic, I don't want to put you on the spot, but you've written an article for the March 2021 issue as well. So what are the... What are the editor in chief articles? What, as a leader of caring, what you know? What are you hoping to bring with your comments? Thanks, Wayne, and it doesn't put me on the spot at all. Um, I in the caring collaborative, I really like to talk about um, issues that are near and dear to my heart. I have a background in um, geriatric psychiatry, and my my first uh, job uh, was as a registered nurse, as a staff nurse in um, inpatient psychiatry. And so, you know, I think in post-acute and long-term care, we really see the intersection of um, the medical issues and those psychosocial issues, and you know. Um, Thinking about the geriatric mental health specialist um, is important. We all know that there's um, not enough geriatric psychiatrists or um, uh, psychiatric NPs to go around. And actually, I was I was surprised to find that um, there are less than um, 1,400 board-certified geriatric psychiatrists in the United States right now. Yeah. 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 And so many of the psychiatric consultants that we're working with um, may uh, specialize in psychiatry, but they may not have that geriatric experience. And what this article really talks about is how to um, 
build a geriatric mental health team with your uh, regular interdisciplinary team members and how to partner um, with the mental health specialists and to also to share our knowledge um, about geriatric prescribing principles. Um, and um, also the advantages of using telehealth um, when uh, waits for in-person in appointments are, are challenging. You know, just talking to you and listening to your to your thinking and your rationale for things, it just, uh, I don't, I'm sure it's happening with our, our readers, but it really does um, entice me to want to read Caring for the Ages. Um, under the leadership of Editor-in-Chief, Dr. Elizabeth Gaelic, Caring for the Ages continues to review and reflect the wonderful work being done by the Society for Post-Acute and Long-Term Care Medicine leaders, members, and community. Take a look at the March 2021 issue. Dr. Gaelic, thank you so much for spending your time again with Caring on the Go. Thanks so much, Wayne. I'll look forward to next month. Mm, me too. References for this podcast can be found at www.caringfortheages.com. Until next time, I'm Dr. Wayne Saltzman for Caring on the Go. Support for this podcast is brought to you by U.S. Post-Acute Care. If you are a physician and interested in obtaining ABPLM pre-approved certified medical director credits for certification or recertification, go to our new learning management system at apex.paltc.org. Click on podcast and follow the link to this latest episode. Thank you.